quick disclaimer here at the beginning of this podcast. For the first half of this podcast, I was somehow using the wrong microphone, and so um, I didn't have time to go back and record it. So you will hear a noticeable change in audio quality. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy anyways. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Once again, my name is Tom Sedlak Jr., and I'm your host for this podcast. Tom said what? Remember, I like puns. So the said in the title is spelled like the first three letters in my last name, S-E-D, not S-A-I-D. I'm going to start today with a quick announcement. The show now has a Twitter account. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tom Said What. Again, that would be T O M S E D W H A T. You can follow on Twitter for updates on the show, announcements when new episodes will be posted, possible question and answer sessions, and, you know, just to show that you're listening. I'd love to hear from you. So please make yourself heard. For now, sit back and relax as once again we answer that question. Tom said, what? Tom said, Today, we will be looking at memories. This is always an interesting topic for me, as I feel like I have a pretty good memory, but I still find that sometimes something will trigger a memory that I haven't thought about in years, and that'll make me wonder if my memory is any good at all. Also, sometimes I'm really good at those memory games, and sometimes I'm just not very good at all. Anyway, quick example. The earliest memory that I have is from living at my Grandma Grace's house when I was very young. For those of you who have listened to the first episode of this podcast, that is the same Grandma Grace from the Benny Goodman story, and one of the inspirations for my journey into music. Anyway, shortly after I was born, my parents needed a little support. Now having three boys, all under the age of five at the time, they ended up moving in with my grandma and living on the second floor of her home in Elmwood Park, Illinois, until about the time I was four years old. Now the first memory I have of that house, and the first memory I can come up with at all, is of the stairs in that house. Like many of the houses on the block, Grandma Grace's house was built on a relatively narrow lot, with not much space for a large footprint for her home. This meant that if you were putting another floor on the house, you would need to do so with some very steep stairs. The stairs in that house ran right up the middle of the building and were at some kind of crazy angle. At least it felt that way as a child. I wasn't old enough to take a measurement of it when we lived there, and I didn't think to do so before Grandma Grace eventually moved out of that house to be closer to us. But in my mind, the angle was nothing less than 70 degrees. Now, I know that there are going to be people out there who would tell me that no one ever built stairs at that particular angle, and if you built stairs at that particular angle, it'd be weird. And, you know, not knowing enough about construction, maybe they're right. But as a young child, 
and having to traverse those sh- stairs every single day, they were like a mountain to climb. Anyway, that first memory that I have is climbing those stairs. I don't think I could have been more than three or four years old at the time since we did move away a little before my fifth birthday. But I can still picture the perspective of little me climbing the stairs at that house. Thinking about that house reminds me of living there, even though when I try to come up with, you know, the day-to-day life in that house, I can't come up with much. Most of my memories of that house are from when after we moved away and would visit throughout my childhood. I do remember that the second floor where we lived in that house was basically two big rooms. At the front of the house was my parents' room. They had a big bed and even a TV in that room where we would occasionally gather for some family TV time. Now, for some strange reason, the only show I actually ever remember seeing anything of in that in that room was a really old show called China Beach. Some people might remember it. Some people probably have no idea and are having to go to the Google machine and figure out what it is, which seems like something that, as a child, I probably should not have been watching now that I look back and I use the Google machine myself on it. I do remember that whenever we would be watching something, my parents thought it was not appropriate for us, remember me and my two older brothers, Uh, If it wasn't appropriate for us to watch, they'd throw a blanket over the three of us. (laughs) Again, me and my two older brothers underneath a blanket, just because my parents thought it was inappropriate for us to watch what was on the TV at the time. And then they'd tell us when we could take it off again. At the time, we thought it was funny. In fact, I still think it's a little bit funny. But, you know, looking back, it, it does seem a little bit odd. But, hey, it was the late 1980s. So everyone was just learning about how they don't know how to parent and need to start getting advice from everyone else. I hope you can hear that tone, listeners. Please read that as sarcasm there, as I hope you could have heard. But getting into parenting and things like that has to be saved for its own episode. We definitely don't have enough time to do that and the topic at hand today. Getting back on track. The other room on the floor was the boys' room. My two older brothers and I, we shared what was a pretty large room. It was almost half the footprint of the house at the back. There was enough room for each of us to have our own bed and a small dresser for each of us, although we did have to share a closet. Now, I remember sleeping in that room. I remember getting up in the morning and picking out my clothes from the dresser. I remember playing in that room but only in bits and pieces of memory. Nothing seems to string together. There isn't a continuous stream of memory that all takes place in that room or in that house. It was like I just started remembering things and we moved away. Things like that which again give me pause about my ability to remember things correctly. How do I not remember the daily life of a place where I lived for years of my life? Granted, I did live there from about the time I was born to when I was about four years old. So remembering it much is probably a gift. From everything that I've learned about memory from the many psychology classes that teachers are required to take these days, the human memory is just beginning to work during those years. 
and we moved right in the middle of me being able to make permanent memories at all. This whole thought process comes from an experience the other morning. It was a lovely early spring day in the Midwest. Remember, I live in suburban Chicago. And I was getting out the door with my two sons, taking both to the babysitters so the older one can get on the bus for school and the younger one will stay at the babysitter for the day. I then get to come home and prepare to teach remotely for the day, which, by the way, is definitely going to be a series of episodes in the future, I promise. Remote teaching and this pandemic has got to be a topic we talk about since it's one of the main reasons that I decided to do start doing this in the first place. Anyway, as I was doing this, there was a light sprinkle of rain in the air. Until that morning, most of the precipitation we were getting was snow, so I was happy that it was warm enough to rain. As I got out of the car to head back into the house, the smell hit me. The smell of rain in the air and the dampness of recently fallen rain all mixed together. It was the first time that morning that I'd become aware of my sense of smell. That made me think about smell. Now, I know a good amount about hearing. As those of you who listened to the previous episode know, I'm a music teacher. So I have to know a lot about hearing and how hearing works and how we can manipulate our hearing and all of that. But as when it comes to smell, I know really just the basics. I did learn from a TV show years ago, Criminal Minds, for those of you who are interested, which, by the way, I used to watch a lot of TV. Um, these days I don't get a chance to watch as much. Um, but still, anyway, from that show, from uh, Criminal Minds years ago, I found out that smell is the weakest sense in humans weaker than sight and hearing and taste. At least, it usually is. But smell is the one most common, closely related to memory. Now, I do not have a specific memory that's tied to the smell of rain in the air, but I know many people that do. The best memory that comes to mind, I guess, would be some of my misadventures in extracurricular activities in high school. I would like to imagine that, you know, many people tried almost every extracurricular activity um, that they could in high school, just like I did. Now, it's probably not true for everyone, but in my experience, I tried literally everything I had time for, including what was known as the literary magazine. Yes, my high school had a yearly art and literary magazine that was student-published. My freshman year, I joined for a reason that will probably be familiar to many of you. I joined because a girl I liked was also joining. Well, I went on to work on the magazine all four years of high school, as much as I could. The work for the club was basically divided into two distinct parts. In the fall, we had an art and writing contest that needed a theme and, of course, to be judged. In the spring, we collected all of the submissions from throughout the year and published and sold the magazine to anyone who would buy it. Being in music at the time when, you know, all the hard work and publishing came around was the middle of the spring musical. So I was always busy during the actual publishing and printing. I 
helped in the fall during the yearly writing and art contest. And when I could, in the spring, I'd help sell the finished product in between everything else that was happening in the spring. I do remember that one of the first things we needed to do as part of the contest was pick a theme. And I do remember sitting there in my freshman year of high school trying to be all deep and thoughtful, as, you know, freshmen in high school tend to try to be, and throwing out what ended up literally being some of the craziest theme ideas um, ever. Things like before dawn, after the rain, crazy things that, you know, might end up being like the names of air fresheners and things like that. To this day, that's the memory I go to whenever I smell rain in the air, because after the rain never really got picked as one of the themes, although before dawn did, which is interesting, but you know, again, that's a tangent that we don't really need to go down. I do think, however, this is my subconscious reminding me probably not to take myself so seriously, like I tried to do in high school. What I find fascinating is that smell, which again, remember, smell is probably the weakest sense in humans, but it creates such a strong reaction and it has such a strong link to memory. Now, again, as a teacher, as a music teacher, I have learned a little bit about how the brain works and how we can use that to maximize learning in students. That's a lot of what teachers do. Um, we you know, learn how people process information, and so we decide to help them learn about things. The basics here are that whenever you have a new experience, the brain creates new connections between different parts of the brain that are activated by those experiences. For example, you see a movie and the parts of your brain that deal with vision and hearing make a connect connection based on those sounds and images. You learn to do a new dance, and you make connections between your hearing and your motor movement. Those different connections are created because those different parts of the brain are activated. The more times that you use those different connections in the brain, the stronger the connection is, and the better recall you have of it. To continue that first example, the more times you see the movie or think about those sounds and images from the movie, the stronger the connection is. The more times you go through the movements of the dance, the stronger the connection is. And the stronger the connection is between those different parts of the brain, the greater the ability to recall it is, and therefore the stronger the memory. The stronger the memory of that movie, if you continue to think about it or watch it several times, the stronger the memory of the dance, um, the more times that you do it or watch people complete the dance. Now music has an incredible effect on memory as well, but for now, let's focus on smell because that was the trigger for me to think about memory. So the part of the brain that processes smells, because different parts of the brain process different emotions and different um, senses and different parts of your body are controlled by different parts of the brain, okay? So the part of the brain that processes smell is directly connected to another part of your brain. It's called the hippocampus. Now, the hippocampus is really important. It is something that is tied directly to emotion and also helps regulate some of the like automatic um, 
functions within your body. Now, each of the senses is directed to the hippocampus in a way, but it's smell that is directly connected to the hippocampus. Sight and hearing and taste and touch and any other types of senses we have pass through other parts of the brain first before being redirected to the hippocampus. But smell goes directly to the hippocampus. It's actually really interesting. So remember, hippocampus is where most of our emotional reactions happen in the brain. A lot of endorphins and pheromones and things are released because of uh, what happens in the hippocampus, and therefore it's directly related to emotion. Because smell is directly connected to that part of the brain, smell has this highly emotional reaction. And emotion is also a key factor in memory. Okay, some of the chemicals released from the hippocampus make some of those connections between your, the parts of your brain stronger and therefore create stronger memories. Based on, you know, basic facts right there, it is kind of easy to see how smell is so connected to memory. But one of the questions I have is why did the human brain evolve like this? Like, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the type of connection between those parts of the brain in a dog would be because we know dogs have a heightened sense of smell so good that dogs can even you know sniff out bombs and drugs and weapons of that nature you know but obviously humans don't necessarily have the acuity in our smell to be able to do things like that so maybe it's an interesting trace back to our like evolutionary heritage somewhere along the way it was important to have that connection between smell and emotion and it's just something that hasn't completely gone away even in us humans today but i'm not sure there's a real answer yet i mean you could also maybe tie it into the hunter-gatherer stage of human evolution you know when people literally had to use their senses just to survive Smell probably was more acute in early humans, since, you know, the smell of fresh berries or the scent of an animal herd would be something that would need to make a lasting impression. People would want to remember where they found those berries or where the animals like to walk through so they could, you know, come back and literally catch a meal. I don't have any real evidence to support this thought, but I mean, it makes sense to me as a first hypothesis. Maybe there's some evolutionary biologists out there that are going to completely prove me wrong. And you know what? Then I'll learn something new. But it sounds like a pretty decent theory. Although, I won't say theory because, you know, theory has a special scientific term here. I'll once again refer to it as a hypothesis. But, yeah, seems interesting if there was some research on why our brains are wired this way. I don't seem to find very much of it. Maybe that's because, you know, I'm not deep into the field. Maybe there is some out there and someone can direct me to it. Again, be interesting. I'd learn something. We do know that our reactions to smells is also a conditioned response. Many of you probably have, you know, gone through basic psychology and understand the idea of Pavlov's dogs, right? He would ring a bell and then feed the dogs. 
And then eventually, um, all he would have to do is ring the bell and the dogs would start salivating because they would think, oh, he rang the bell, I'm going to get fed. It's similar in humans when we smell something and react in a certain way. We get conditioned to react that same way every time we smell that certain smell. So it's a conditioned response. So maybe, you know, like I smell rain and my brain goes back to that literary magazine in high school. Maybe people smell cinnamon and they're taken to their grandmother's kitchen baking. Maybe people smell, you know, freshly cut grass and that reminds them of their hay fever and they start sneezing. I don't know. Um, anyway, lots of really cool things going on here, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of interesting thoughts and, you know, need for some more research, to be honest. I'd love to continue reading about the topic. So if any of you have any suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, it's probably enough from me today, but I do want to hear from you still. What are some of the smells that trigger memories in you? Let me know through the show Twitter. Remember, that's at Tom Said What. That's T-O-M-S-E-D-W-H-A-T. Thank you all for listening. And I do hope you had a little bit of fun while listening today, and maybe you learned a thing or two. Until next time, remember to let people know Tom said what? <laughs>